Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for standing by. And welcome to Tesla's Q3 2019 financial results and Q&A webcast. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. After the speaker presentation, there will be a question and answer session. We ask that you limit yourself to one question and one follow-up question. You may do so by pressing star then one on your telephone. Please be advised that today's conference is being recorded. If you require any further assistance, please press star zero. I would now like to hand the conference over to your speaker. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodhi. I am your host. Well, I guess I am your speaker, not your host. This week, yes, we are talking about Tesla's Q3 2019 earnings. I'm very excited. Um, But this is going to be a long show. So because this is going to be so long, we're going to get right into it. Um, I'm going to forego a lot of the talking that I normally do in the beginning, and we're going to get right to the show. I will say if you want to support the show, go to supportkilowatt.com, and that takes you directly to Patreon where you can uh, support the show there. And then um, what's the other thing? Oh. Last week, I mentioned uh, James's podcast, True North EVs. We also have another uh, member of our community that has a show. It's more like a radio show, and that's Dale, and he has the, his show is called Making Tracks. You can find links to these shows in the show notes under the Friends of the Show section. So I highly suggest uh, looking at that if you're interested in something else to listen to. Let's jump right into the earnings call. I'm not going to go over Tesla's results. They made money. There's other podcasts that talk about, you know, stock stuff. I don't really do that. Um, So our first clip is going to be Elon's opening remarks. Uh, Thank you. Um, First of all, I'd like to just thank the Tesla team for an incredible job this quarter. The execution was outstanding and um, on on just about every front. So, um, it's uh, just an honor to work with such a great uh, team. Uh, Q- Q4, Q3 was uh, obviously a very strong quarter. We had record deliveries. Uh, we were able to uh, make great strides in controlling our costs. Uh, we shifted back to gap profitability while also generating strong free cash flow. Um, and again, this would not be possible without um, each uh, employee doing their part to reduce cost. Our operating cost is now at the lowest level since Model 3 production started. Uh, regarding Gigafactory Shanghai. This month, we started trial production at um, Giga Shanghai and have built uh, four vehicles from uh, body to paint to general assembly. Uh, so this is a, I want to emphasize, this is a, a real factory with a tremendous amount of equipment in it. Um, while a lot of people see the the outside shell of the factory, which is enormous um, and was essentially underwater uh, in January, it was uh, below the water table literally. Um, what what is I think much more significant is that we're able to install uh, massive stamping machines, uh, a fully operational paint shop, 
and, and a sophisticated general assembly line uh, in the same period of time in, in parallel with building the building. Um, I'd like to thank our Chinese team for this extraordinary achievement. Uh, uh, I, I, I'm not aware of any, any factory of, of this magnitude in history being uh, constructed in such a short period of time, uh, approximately 10 months. Um, as, as far as I know, this is unprecedented. Um, and, and Gigafactory Shanghai will become our template for future growth. Um, we're planning to build Model Ys in Shanghai as well, of course, um, and to build a Gigafactory in Europe. And we hope to announce uh, the location of that Gigafactory. In fact, we will announce the, the location of that Gigafactory before the end of this year. Uh, regarding Model Y, uh, we're also ahead of schedule on Model Y preparations in Fremont, uh, and we've moved the launch timeline from fall 2020 to summer 2020. Um, th there may be some room for improvement there, but we're, we're confident about uh, summer 2020. Uh, I've actually recently driven the Model Y um, release candidate and think it's going to be an amazing product and be, be very well received. I think it's quite likely to I, I might, this is just my opinion, but I, I think it will outsell S, X, and 3 combined. Um, regarding version 10 and Smart Summon, last month we re released our latest uh, software, version 10, which includes video streaming, games, uh, karaoke, Spotify, and, and uh, a host of other new features and improvements. Uh, most importantly, it includes uh, the first version of Smart Summon, which has now been used uh, uh, a million times. Uh, so it's now over a million uses of Smart Summon. Um, and we're, in the next uh, week or so, we will be releasing an improved version of Smart Summon, taking into account all the data from those million Smart Summon attempts. So it's, um, this really illustrates the value of having uh, a, a massive fleet um, because it allows us to collect the, these corner cases um, and uh, learn from them and use fleet learning and become... Uh, rapidly better, just as Navigator and Autopilot did on the freeway. So we ex expect a, um, an, a number of improvements in Smart Summon in, in, the, in the weeks to come. And, um, and, and this is really just the beginning as we collect more data and Autopilot and full self-driving functionality get, get better. Um, I, 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 I do, while it's going to be tight, I, it, it still does appear that uh, will be at least in limited in, in uh, early access release of a feature complete full self driving feature this year. Um, so it's not it's not for sure, but it it appears to be on track for at least an early access release of a fully functional full self driving by the end of this year. Um, and um, yeah, lastly, we're we're highly focused on decisions that really make a material difference to the company, uh, such as opening um, gigafactories in uh, other continents. Uh, you know, it's, it's worth noting that these, you know, ultimately having three gigafactories effectively will triple our, our output. And then when you consider uh, increased output per gigafactory, it's going to actually more than triple uh, our output over time. Um, and then... Uh, there are a lot of interesting things happening with respect to advanced batteries and more efficient powertrains um, and pulse of driving and all that sort of stuff, but uh, that will be something for a future time. Um, and then one, one last item is that uh, tomorrow afternoon um, we'll be uh, releasing version 3 of the Tesla Solar Roof. 
that's the integrated solar where the where solar uh, the solar panels are integrated with the roof. Um, so that's um, I, I think this is a, a great a great product. Version version one and two we're still sort of figuring things out. Version three I think is finally ready for for the for the big time. Um, and so we're scaling scaling up production of the version three uh, solar tile roof uh, at our Buffalo Gigafactory. And we, I think this product is going to be incredible. But we'll talk more about that on the official product launch, which will be tomorrow afternoon. So the first thing Elon did was thank the team. And I think that's important because uh, there are folks out there, maybe not everybody at Tesla, but there are folks out there who are working very hard to make this a profitable quarter for Tesla. So I think it's great that he's thanking the team, and he absolutely should. That should be the first and foremost, thank the team. Next, uh Gigafactory 3 update. I think we pretty much knew all of the stuff that they talked about there. The location of Gigafactory 4 by the end of the year, that's exciting. I still think it's going to go in Germany. The Model Y is being moved up to a 2020 launch, summer 2020. Again, I don't think that surprises anybody because, um, you know, we've been seeing more meals. We've been getting the rumors, all that good stuff. One of the things that did surprise me about the Model Y is they believe that it is going to outsell the Model S, Model X, and 3 combined. That is huge. Margins for the Model Y should be higher than the Model 3. So if that's true, uh, at some point, Tesla's just going to start printing money. So that's awesome. They talked about version 10 with Smart Summon and some more improvements for Smart Summon coming. Uh, full self-driving features by 2019. Now, I put in quotes here, maybe, in my notes, simply because Elon and Tesla's timelines are, you know, flexible. Let's call them flexible. So Elon actually goes in and, and describes what feature complete means in a later clip, so I'm not going to mention it here. They're focusing on products and decisions that improve Tesla overall, which I think is great. That includes gigafactories, advanced batteries, full self-driving, more advanced powertrains. They did talk about version three solar roof. I actually went on Tesla's website to see what this would cost to put on my house, you know, theoretically, and I wasn't able to get a price. Uh, one of the things or some of the people I feel bad for, to be honest, is uh, people who purchase version one and version two uh, solar roofs, because if they're saying version three is heads and tails above those two products, I guess that's the risk of being an early adopter. Our next clip is Tesla CFO Zachary Kirkhorn. He gives kind of a financial update. This is more for the Tesla shareholders in the audience. So I hope you enjoy. It's a little long. So hang in there. Thank you very much. And I think uh, Zach, uh, Zachary has some uh, remarks as well. Yeah, thank you, Elon. Uh, thank you, Martin. Q3 was a great quarter for Tesla. I know many employees are listening right now, and I want to thank you for your passion and your hard work. We've made terrific progress, and yet again, we realized margin improvements in nearly every aspect of the business. There are three key points I'd like to highlight. First, we returned to profitability in Q3, aided by improved gross profit, reduced operating expenses, and the absence of negative one-time items that weighed on our financials in the first half of the year. Gap Automotive gross margin improved sequentially to 22.8% and over 20%, excluding regulatory credits. We achieved these improvements through higher production volumes on SX and Model 3, enabling better fixed cost absorption. We realized improvements in labor hours per vehicle, as well as other costs, such as warehousing, logistics, delivery, and import-related items. 
We are also making continued progress reducing material costs, including commercial negotiations with suppliers. Model S and X ASPs increased, even accounting for revenue deferrals related to free unlimited supercharging. And Model 3 ASPs declined slightly, driven by mix in Asia, pricing action, and EMEA. North American ASPs held flat as mix improved, offsetting pricing action we took at the start of the quarter, which is great to see. Note that with the release of Smart Summon in the U.S., we were able to recognize $30 million of deferred revenue. As we expand Smart Summon to additional markets and release new features, we'll continue to recognize additional deferred revenue. Our services and other loss reduced yet again, reflecting our focus to improve the efficiency of this area of the business. And we further reduced operating expenses despite increased orders, deliveries, and new programs in development. Uh, and finally, on net income, in other income, we saw benefits from foreign exchange, which as I mentioned last quarter, we don't hedge. Uh, the second key point I want to highlight is that we demonstrated another quarter of strong free cash flows despite a significant increase in our captive leasing mix and a sequential increase in CapEx spend. This has enabled year-to-date positive free cash flows for the company. Our cash balance increased by approximately the same amount as our free cash flows, and we exited the quarter with our highest quarter-ending cash balance ever of just over $5.3 billion. Specifically on captive leases, we've received a number of questions on how these are funded. We use our leasing warehouse and ABS sales to allow for captive leases without material use of cash. Uh, what's important to note here is that our warehouse and ABS flow through financing cash flow, and as a result, leases negatively impact free cash flow. This impact was material in Q3 as the lease rate increased substantially by 50%. In addition, CapEx spend increased, driven primarily by Gigafactory Shanghai and Model Y spending. We've received a number of questions on why our capital spending appears low compared to prior levels, even though there are multiple new projects launching and in development. As we noted in the shareholder letter this quarter and last quarter, this is because we've made great progress on improving our capital efficiency. Uh, my third and final point is around demand and growth. Our global order rate remains strong and continues to increase. Despite increases to production levels, our order backlog has been growing, and quarter-to-date orders are significantly higher than at this point in, uh, in last quarter. In the immediate term, we're focused on increasing production of Model 3 and SNX as quickly as we can. The bulk of this work involves continued optimization of existing equipment. We've also made targeted adjustments to pricing to better balance supply and demand. Our pace of execution on new factories and capacity expansion has increased significantly. As Elon mentioned, the first phase of Gigafactory Shanghai is already production ready, and we've been able to pull in the timeline for other major projects. Overall, we are quickly turning the corner for our next phase of growth, and our financial health continues to strengthen. We remain focused on reducing cost, which enables rapid investments in future programs and growth. Based on that, it sounds like Tesla's in a very good um position for the next couple of quarters anyway in terms of making a profit sounds like they are making the right decisions and tightening the the reins tightening up the financial belt so that they can be profitable going forward or at least profitable more often than they're not profitable going forward our next clip is from tesla's senior director of energy operations i'm going to be honest i was not able to get this person's name because the auto quality was so poor so I looked online and I still wasn't able to find his name. So I apologize for that. But uh, he's going to talk about Tesla Energy. 
Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Kunal Girotra, and I've been with Tesla for about four years, uh, working on different aspects of deploying our energy products. Um, I now run Tesla Energy's deployment and fulfillment teams. Um, over the last three months, the energy teams have made great progress in both our solar and energy storage businesses. As you can see in our quarterly deck, our solar deployments uh, rose by almost 50% over last quarter, and our energy storage deployments, which include power walls and power packs, uh, grew by 15% to an all-time high of 477 megawatt hours. Um, in the last three months, we relaunched Tesla Solar in North America by simplifying our solar offering into three sizes of small, medium, and large, with transparent pricing on the website. But what a lot of people don't realize is in, like in, in California and in, in a number of other states, if you, um, if you buy, buy our sort of solar subscription or solar rental, um, there's no money down and you instantly save on your utility bill and there's no long-term contract. Right. Um, so it, it's kind of a no-brainer. It's, it's really, do, do you want a, 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 something that prints money? Um, and if it doesn't print money, we'll fix it or take it back. It's kind of a no-brainer, um, and it, it, it sort of plays into Tesla's overarching strategy here, which is effectively to become like a giant distributed global utility Yeah. on, on the energy front. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, you know, the subscription solar offering that you mentioned is launched in six states, and uh, like you said, it's six monthly payments and no long-term contracts, and the mm -hmm. response from customers has been pretty awesome. So well, 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 most people do actually buy it as yes. opposed to rent it, which is actually the the, the Technically, the better out. While you make money immediately if you if you do rental, it's actually a better investment if you if you buy it, um, because the cost of capital of the consumer is better than our cost of capital. Um, and, um, uh, and and then there's, there's like interesting study by Zillow and, and a, a number of other organizations that show that uh, adding solar to your home uh, increases the price increases the value of your home. And the, the Zillow study showed a four percent uh, increase in the value of the home with solar. Um, and that that, and then if you, if you add sort of the power wall, which gives you uh, blackout protection, so you will have uh, you know energy security in the event of of uh, rolling blackouts or if the power goes out for any reason, which appears to be a long-term systemic issue in in California particularly. Um, that that I think is definitely going to be viewed as a, a significant asset for any home. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think to your point of uh, buying Tesla Solar is easy because we have one of the lowest prices in the nation now uh, in, in the country. And, you know, just a little bit of story there. We were able to lower our prices because our cost of acquisition is now, you know, less than a quarter of any typical solar company. We don't do, do our, sales. Yeah, do our online sales. There's, there's online no, orders no advertising, right. no marketing, right. and no sales force. Yeah. But would, would you rather pay for, for power or for marketing? Yeah. Yeah, I'd say you would rather pay for the product. <laughs> Totally. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. On solar, we've also simplified the fulfillment process with a goal of really fast order to install timelines. Uh, we've done we've done many uh, residential installs with a single visit to a customer's home because of standard sizes that reduce complexity. Uh, we've also been working with cities and counties to submit generic permits that follow a template rather than customizing for every situation. Cause Actually, Kyle, this is a really big deal. That's like most people won't appreciate. Um, it's, it's great work by you and the, the energy team to get this done because one of the fundamental inhibitors, both from a cost and, and timing standpoint, is um, getting uh, permit approval from the various uh, regional authorities um, and 
uh, and, and we've, we've pioneered a novel approach. Um, it's sort of innovation applied to, uh, to bureaucracy, frankly, um, which I guess you can apply innovation to anything. Um, and, uh, and, and we've gotten um, a, a massive number of uh, housing approval authorities to, um, to, to take a, a generic template as opposed to a custom template, which makes it, and, and, and in um, most cases, I think electronic as well. Yeah. Um, so that that just pr- it makes it simple and low cost and fast to get approval for solar, which is how it should be. Totally. Yeah. Around 350 cities and counties have accepted it. There's still and, about and, more, and more more coming. And many more coming. Yeah. I think ultimately it'll be almost everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We have a lot more small cities and counties that have to uh, come online, but that'll be that'll be our focus in the coming days. Yeah. And it's more important as we scale solar roof too. Yes. Um, exactly. For all our Deploying energy products uh, needs innovation in the, in the bureaucracy space, as you said, as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so all these improvements have led us to speed up our customer order to installation timelines from months to, in many cases, days. Uh, as, as Elon, you already said, we've added uh, the option to add power walls to secure from people from future power outages. And a home with solar and power wall, as was shown in the recent California outages, many homes ran successfully. Yeah, you can uh, tell which homes have a, 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 yeah. a power wall because um, that's where all the light. That's where the lights are on. Yeah, yeah so you like, look at the neighborhood. It's like oh, there's everyone, all but a few lights are out, and those are usually the ones with the tether power wall. Yeah, um, I think I don't know if you're going to mention, but also like the single truck roll. Uh, it's, it's like single visit, yeah. yeah. Single visit install. Yeah. Single visit install is, is a big deal. Right. Um, we're taking it from where the solar industry would often be three visits before the solar was installed, and it would often take like quite a long time to do the installation. But we streamlined all of that to the point where, um, in many cases, it's a single it's it's a single visit um, to do everything, um, and and uh, and it's and it's fast. Yeah. yeah. That's correct. So minimize disruption to the homeowner. Yeah, and, and ordering solar is literally one click. You can order solar for your house in less than one minute. Totally. Yeah, and then we've done the same thing in the commercial solar space. Uh, uh, nobody thought of putting a simple website with uh, order, with prices for commercial solar. We do that now, and uh, we've seen a good response from small businesses wanting to go solar. And uh, by removing the complexity of long-term contracts and simplifying the terms and conditions, the commercial solar sales process would t- typically take six months is now taking a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. So the same thing uh, that we've done in residential, we want to expand more and more in commercial as well. So all in all, the roadmap for energy products from solar, solar roof, power wall to Megapack is super exciting, and I expect Tesla Energy to become a larger part of our overall ecosystem as we leverage and integrate the same competencies from our vehicle business. Um, the future is pretty exciting for just Tesla Energy. Great. Thanks. Yeah. One of the things I wanted to highlight here is the possibility of Tesla becoming an electric company. Now, as Elon said, a giant distributed global utility, but effectively electric company. So let's pretend in the not too distant future that Tesla uh, modifies its current solar subscription plan. So basically, they're going to give you a system that covers all of your needs electric wise, uh, your peak electric needs, and then some. And then they're going to also include a Uh, some battery storage, maybe one, two, or three batteries. Now, you're paying them $50 a month or whatever the monthly subscription is, and then Tesla is taking a small portion of what's in your battery, so you're over-generating, right? And that is 
going to fill up your batteries. Tesla's taking a small percentage of that, like 10, maybe 15%, whatever it is, and they're selling that back to the grid. So Tesla's making money from you, and then they're also selling electricity back to the grid. So they're making money on both sides. I can that's that's how I see this being viable. That's how I see Tesla potentially becoming a utility. Now, obviously, this isn't going to work if you are in you know upstate New York and it snows all the time, or in Manitoba or wherever. That's only going to work um, as you know so many months out of the year. It's not going to probably be practical. But for places like Arizona, Southern California, that kind of thing, it's very practical. So that's my wacky theory on, uh, you know, Tesla global energy operations company utility. They also want to simplify the permit process. The next questions were submitted by say.com. So you're going to hear, um, I believe it's Roberto, you're going to hear him read it out and Elon will answer it or somebody will answer it. Uh, the first question is, what are the what are you most excited about over the next three years? So let's hear what Elon's answer is on that. Elon, other than robotaxis and autonomous vehicle capabilities, when you look over the next three years, what are you most excited about at Tesla that you believe investors don't understand or have missed? I think there's generally a um, lack of, of understanding or appreciation for the growth of Tesla Energy, as Kanal was talking about. Um, in the long term, I expect Tesla Energy to be of the same, uh, r- r- roughly the same size as Tesla's automotive uh, sector or business. Um, this is uh, this is the most underappreciated. I think it could be bigger, but it's, it's certainly of, of a similar magnitude. Uh, Tesla Solar, meaning Tesla Solar plus battery stuff uh, is the uh, Tesla energy is, is, is I think the, the least uh, appreciated element um, and um, you know for the um, you know, part of it is like for, for for I don't know for about 18 months almost two, almost two years we had to divert a tremendous amount of resources or we basically take resources from every else everywhere else in the company and apply them to the model 3 production fixing fixing the model 3 production ramp and simplifying the design of model 3. Um, so, for about a year and a half, we unfortunately stripped uh, Tesla Energy of, of uh, engineering and other resources, uh, and, and even it, it took the, the cell production lines that were meant for Powerwall and PowerPack and, and redirected them to the car because we, um, we didn't have enough uh, cells. Um, now that we feel uh, that uh, Model 3 production is in, in, in a good place and headed to a great place, uh, we've... Um, uh, restored resources to Tesla solar and uh, storage and uh, and and so we that's going to be I think really crazy growth for as far into the future as I could imagine um, and uh, but it, you know we we had, we had to do it because the, if we didn't solve model 3 Tesla wouldn't survive so um, unfortunately that that shorted pretty much the other parts of the company um, but it would be difficult for me to uh, overstate the degree to which I think Tesla Energy is going to be a major part of Tesla's uh, activity in the future. Um, and and uh, I mean, Tesla's mission from the beginning has been to accelerate the advent of sustainable energy. That means sustainable energy generation and sustainable uh, energy consumption in the form of uh, vehicles, electric, electric vehicles. Um, 
and I think one of the stats we'll publish in the future, along with our uh, uh, vehicle production, is that how much uh, sustainable energy Tesla produced or, or Tesla customers produced with our products. Um, and I think you'll see that we're producing uh, about the same or well, comparable amounts of, of sustainable energy as, as are consumed in the car, in, in, in our cars. Because you know, for the longest time, the rebuttal against electric cars like, oh, or don't they use dirty power from coal? Well, well, no, we're 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 solar power, and that's the, obviously the solar power came from companies like that, not just Tesla. But um, you have to solve sustainable generation and sustainable consumption, um, and um, and that's what we're doing, and we'll do more of it. Okay, so we touched on some of this in the last clip. Tesla Energy could be as big or bigger than Tesla Automotive. I think that's awesome. Um, you know, Tesla was bogged down for 18 months to two years because of Model 3. So it was difficult to get a lot of stuff off the ground. But now that that's done, you know, that all makes sense. So again, this is just another clip that shows that Tesla has some focus, which it's been criticized for not having focus in the past. Tesla has some focus and it looks like they're going on like a like they have a goal and they're following the steps that they need to to actually hit those goals instead of, you know, out of the middle of you know their eye. They catch something shiny and they're like squirrel and they're taking off that direction. They actually have a plan and they're sticking to it to meet these goals. So all positive things on Tesla side. The next question is asking, uh, would it be possible or would Tesla consider splitting full, the full self-driving package out into individual modules, kind of like, you know, debundling cable, that kind of thing. So let's hear what Elon has to say about that. Related to full self-driving attach rates, given that self-driving regulations will evolve unevenly in different markets, would you consider selling modules individually, for example, navigate an autopilot or summon, versus current strategy of selling the package as a whole in order to encourage adoption and getting more data? Uh, I, th- I think we'll continue to sell it in a bundled fashion. I mean, th- th- any Tesla that you buy already has um, basic autopilot included. Uh, so I think that's, you know, that, that that really is a pretty major advantage relative to other cars. Uh, but I, but then, and then the next step will be full self-driving uh, with the, uh, with Smart Summon being kind of the beginning of that, um, and uh, you know, and, and, and obviously we kind of have the two sides of it: we've highway or pilot, and we've got Summon, which is sort of low speed and, and parking lots and that kind of thing. Now we need to, to uh, and we're working on solving the, the intermediate portion, which is traffic lights and stop signs, um, and navigating through uh, windy uh, roads in windy narrow roads in suburban neighborhoods um that that's the folks right now um you're going to want it all it's it's, yeah it's something that everyone's going to want for sure okay now as i said before like at the point at which we're able to um upload the software enabling a tesla to become um a robo taxi uh you know which tricks you know Expect to have that from 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 a functionality standpoint by by the end of next year. The you know in, in terms of it, but the functionality so basic functionality aspirationally end of this year, 
but reliable enough that you do not need to pay attention, in our opinion, by the end of next year. Um, then we would need the acceptance by regulatory authorities will vary by jurisdiction. Uh, but that, that, that transition, that, that sort of flipping of the switch from a car that is uh, from, from not robo-taxi to robo-taxi, I think will probably be the, the biggest step change increase in asset value in history by far. I think Tesla's done a very good job at simplifying the car buying process, not only when you compare that to a dealership, but also when you compare it to where Tesla was like three years ago. At one point, they had so many options that you could spend hours in the configurator coming up with all sorts of different combinations for your car. However, I don't necessarily think that that was the best thing for the consumer, and I certainly don't think it was the best thing for Tesla because it made everything much more complicated on their side. Uh, consumers say they want choice, but really what they want is value for their money. And you don't have to offer 800 different paint colors or 20 different seat covers to give value. What you need to do is you need to put what's important in the vehicle to the consumer, what's important to the vehicle, or excuse me, what's important to the consumer in the vehicle. And then you need to give them enough choices so that they can customize it and make it their own. That's what needs to happen. So I think Tesla's done a pretty good job. Now, if you also look at autopilot, at one time there was like you got, you know, whatever Tesla offered with the base version of the car in terms of enhanced safety features. And then you got autopilot for like $3,000. And then you got um, full self-driving for like five or $6,000. Tesla said, you know what, we're just going to put autopilot in every vehicle, which I think is great. And full self-driving, you know, that's going to be, that's going to cost extra. So somebody asked a question about a Model Y update. And I didn't add the clip because it was really long. So I can just give you like the summary. Tesla thinks they can hit volume production of a thousand units by the end of, uh, by mid 2020 at Fremont. And I'm guessing at Gigafactory 3 as well. The, the margins for the Tesla Model Y are going to be higher than that of the Model 3. So when you can, you know, like I said earlier in the podcast, when you, um, if the Model Y outsells the S, X, and 3, which the 3 is selling really good, and their margins are higher, that's great for Tesla. They're going to be printing money if uh, all of that is true. In our next clip, you're going to hear Elon talk about the deep scale acquisition. So let's listen to that now. Can you provide more detail on the deep scale acquisition, its importance, and whether Tesla is still on track to recognize and respond to traffic lights and stop signs with automatic driving on city streets by the end of 2019? Sure. The D-Scale is a very tiny company. Um, you know, it was, it's basically um, brought about 12 people, um, and it's a uh, they have some expertise in increasing the, uh, um, the the efficiency of neural nets for a given amount of, of compute, uh, which I think is, is helpful. Um, so, you know, it, it remains to be seen, but the, the intent behind what was a, a, a very tiny acquisition um, was to, uh, I think, slightly accelerate FSD. Um, uh, that, that's the intent, and hopefully that will t- turn out to be true. 
So the only thing that surprised me about this clip was how small the deep scale team was. I knew that they were small, but I didn't know they were like 12 people. Even if they're under 20, that's still pretty small. Um, and Elon did say tiny acquisition a couple of times, I think, in that clip. So, um, which ho- hopefully doesn't minimize <laughs> the acquisition because it sounds like they're going to help get in, you know, help accelerate full self driving. In our next clip, we are going to hear Elon talk about Gigafactory 3 update and what the second building on that massive property is going to be used for. Uh, news reports suggest that uh, Gigafactory 3 already uh, may already be producing Model 3s for Chinese market. Could you please update us on the production expectations for Giga 3 and confirm purpose of the second building now being built? Is that for battery production, as suggested by some press outlets? Yeah, we're we're in trial production of Model 3, um, or um, basically sending cars through the Tuga system, and um, the we're, we're ramping rapidly. Um, we're, we're expecting to hit volume production in in a few months, essentially. Um, the the second building is indeed for uh, battery and module production, um, and uh, that's probably going to be able to just possibly a bunch more construction beyond what, what's already there because obviously we need to uh, build out facilities for Model Y production at uh, Shanghai as well. Really, the only thing that surprised me in this clip or this little update was that the battery and module production would be on site, but they would actually be in a different building. Uh, it was my understanding when Tesla or when Elon was first started talking about the Gigafactories was that. You know, raw materials would come in one side and a car would come out the other, much like the first Ford assembly lines. Uh, but apparently there wasn't enough room in the, the huge building that they've already built in, in Shanghai. All right. Our next clip is a Tesla insurance update. Okay. Um, the next question from retail investors is, can you update us on the initial results of Tesla car insurance, is there a timeline to expand it nationally and internationally? Yeah, I can take that. Uh, so far, we've lost, uh, launched Tesla insurance in California. Uh, I have to say that I'm quite pleased by the results so far. The take rates, uh, as measured by quote-to-purchase conversion, are quite high by industry standards, and we expect that this will only increase um, as folks uh, understand the products better and uh, uh, receive some of the known price increases coming from some of the standard carriers, that they'll come to us and and look for an alternative. Um, There's a bunch of work happening behind the scenes on improving the product, particularly the purchase flow, to to make sure it's the best product experience for our customers. And we're also working very hard to get other states lined up in the states and then also um, to launch in some countries internationally. So we're not able to provide specific timelines on those changes, but we're definitely working as quickly as we can, um, given how well-received Tesla insurance has been in California. Yeah, I think it's, it also has a secondary effect of ensuring that uh, the third-party providers of insurance uh, are, provide reasonable rates to our customers. I completely agree. The goal here is not to have um, an outsized market share of insurance. It's just to make sure that uh, that customers have an alternative to other companies as well, uh, if those rates are high. I mean, ultimately, 
what makes the most sense for a total cost of ownership perspective is for folks to have a good pricing on their insurance. Yes, exactly. So Tesla Insurance is there to keep legacy insurance companies honest to price their products fairly. Now, I will say on the side of legacy insurance companies, it's expensive and it takes a really long time to replace uh, to repair a Tesla if it's been in an accident. On the other side, it's been proven that Teslas are very safe cars and, you know, legacy insurance companies should not be hosing over Tesla customers because the legacy insurance companies assume that Tesla owners make more money, therefore they can pay more in premiums. I am 100% on board with Tesla putting pressure on legacy or insurance companies to keep their prices fair. In our next clip, we're going to have a little full self-driving clarification from Elon. Um, there's skepticism regarding uh, your comment that the full self-driving will be feature complete by year-end, like resulting uh, from confusion about feature complete, what feature complete means. Uh, could you please talk to this and perhaps give us a list of features that establish the FSD baseline? Yeah, by feature, compl- feature complete, I mean it's able the car is able to drive from... Um, uh, from one's house to to work, um, most likely without interventions. Um, so it will still be supervised, but it will it, it will be able to uh, drive. Uh, um, it, it will fill in the gap from uh, low speed autonomy. Uh, you've got low speed autonomy with some. You've got high speed autonomy on the highway, and we need intermediate speed autonomy, which really just means track lights and uh, stop signs. Um, so, um, uh, feature complete means it's, able, it's, it's uh, most likely able to do that without intervention, without 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 uh, human intervention. But it would, it would still be supervised. Um, and the, and I've gone through this timeline before, I think several times, but it is often um, misconstrued uh, that there's there's like there's there's the three major levels to autonomy. There's um, the car being able to be autonomous but requiring supervision and, and intervention at times, that's feature complete. Then there's, um, uh, and, and it doesn't mean like every scenario everywhere on earth, including every corner case. It means most of the time. Um, and uh, th- then there's an, a, another level which is that we think it's, that, that from a Tesla standpoint, we think the car is safe enough to be driven without supervision. Then the third level would be that regulators are also convinced that the car can be driven um, autonomously without supervision. Those are three different levels. I'm pretty sure those three levels that Elon's talking about of full self-driving, that's all internal. I don't think any other car manufacturer is using that as a standard. I think that's internal to Tesla, or or I'm positive that's internal to Tesla. Our next clip... um, is the analyst questions where the analysts actually get a chance to, you know, talk on the call and ask follow-up questions. The first question is, will Tesla sell key technologies to other auto manufacturers? When this question was asked, there was actually a very long pause before they answered, like 15 seconds. So I wonder what the glances were all about in the room or what uh, the, you know, if there was any whispering going on or frantic writing, you know, don't say too much about this or whatever. Um, I just wanted to be a fly on the wall in that minute, in that moment, because it was a very pregnant pause. 
just FYI, I did cut out that pause because I didn't think it added anything to the show. So let's go ahead and listen to the question and the answer here. It's been over seven years since you launched the Model S, and many OEMs seem that they don't have the same commitment to battery electric vehicles that, that you do, and many don't even offer one right now. Um, as your as your business model proves to be more sustainable, can we potentially see Tesla maybe supplying other OEMs with batteries or software, or complete uh, electric vehicle architectures, maybe in an effort to accelerate mass adoption of sustainable transport? It would be consistent with the mission of Tesla to help uh, other car companies uh, with electric vehicles uh, on the battery and powertrain front, possibly on other fronts. Um, so it's something we're open to. Uh, as I think a lot of people know, we open sourced our patents um, uh, so that uh, those would not serve as an obstacle to the adoption of electric vehicles or uh, solar power or um, stationary storage. Um, and um, we're, we're definitely open to um, supplying batteries and powertrains and types of things to other car companies. Initially, when I first heard the question, I was like, this is going to be a very loud no. And then when I heard Elon's answer, I was like, oh, yeah, they did open source their patents. And yes, it's consistent with their mission statement. So I was very wrong on that. Uh, our next clip is uh, Elon's going to talk about plans for Tesla operating system. And really, he doesn't, he kind of avoids the the question in his answer, he doesn't specifically talk about the operating system. He keeps it more specific at the infotainment system. But let's let's listen to it. Hi, thank you. Um, I have two questions. Uh, the first is software version ten added a lot of functionality that's never really been available in a car before through an over-the-air update. Um, in in your shareholder letter, you say that this lays an important foundation for things to come. Can you just talk about the longer-term plan or your vision for the direction of the software platform? And if you have plans to uh, monetize that opportunity. Well, the goal for the infotainment, infotainment system is to say, well, what's the most amount of fun you can have in a car? Which I think is, a, <laughs> I don't think other car companies really think about it that way, but it's really what is the most fun, how can we maximize the enjoyment of a car such that it's not some, you know, just some some sort of transport utility device with no soul and no character. Um, we want it to be fun and entertaining, irreverent, uh, something that you love. And so, there's, there's, I think there's a lot one can do because you know people are generally spending you know a couple of hours a day on average in the car, and so that that's a pretty high percentage of their waking time. Um, you know, outside of like you know, showering and going to the bathroom and that kind of thing. You know, it's it's, it's a lot of time. Um, and I, I guess maybe there's some way to monetize it, but we haven't really thought about it that way. But our goal is just to make, try to say what is the most fun you could possibly have while you're in your car. Um, and obviously as autonomy gets better and better, that is going to become much more of an entertainment opportunity. Um, so... You know, we'll see. We'll see where that leads. But that's the that's what we're after. It's our goal. I don't have anything else to add uh, in terms of the information in this clip. So I'm going to move on. 
Elon was asked about emission credits and opportunities like financial opportunities that Tesla could make a lot of money from these emission credits. And it turns out, it uh, looks like the answer is kind of a muddied, maybe they can make a lot of money, but the likelihood is they can't. But last quarter, they made $100 million just off of selling emission credits. So that's pretty good. But Tesla's not counting on their emission credits to make them money. It's kind of like icing on the cake. And the next thing uh, someone asked about was electric pickups. And there's no real update. Elon said that this were, really wasn't the forum to announce new products. So we didn't really get an update on electric pickups there. In our next clip that we're going to listen to, is it's just the answer, Elon's answer. And the reason why is because I the audio quality was so poor, I really couldn't understand what the gentleman was asking. Based on Elon's answer, I'm going to guess he was asking about something in terms of an update on Model S and X. So let's listen to that answer. The, the Model S and X are, are, are really niche. They're really niche products. I mean, they're, they're very expensive, made in low volume. Um, to be totally frank, we're keep we're, we're we're continuing to make them more for sentimental reasons than anything else. They're 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 really of of minor importance to the future. Okay, that makes sense. And then my question: they're, they're great cars. Sorry, I mean, the Model S, I think, is by if if you want to, I mean, it, the Model S literally won Motor Trend's best car ever in history. By the way, I, I think. It, if some if if you're out there and, and you're buying and and you and you're stand by and you, and you don't buy a Model S, you I think you've just made a mistake. Uh, to be totally frank, um, it's incredible, especially the new one with the uh, uh, you know variable damping suspension, uh, hospital operating room, HEPA filter for air purification, uh, the the Raven powertrain, uh, which it, it's, it's the fastest car in the world. Um, and and it's just it's so easy to drive. It makes you feel like Superman driving that car. It's incredibly safe. Um, you know, it's just uh, an amazing vehicle. And then Model S, I think, is like the Fabergé egg of cars. Uh, I mean, the Model X. Model X is like the Fabergé egg of cars. Um, you know, it's. Um, I mean, that's why so many art, uh, artists and musicians uh, buy the cars. This is a, this is an art piece, basically. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just that I agree. They're f- absolutely phenomenal cars, um, and we are increasing production on um, on our F and X lines for this quarter in response to increasing demand. And so, I, I think part of the story here is, you know, as we've launched ramped and stabilized Model Three, that's kind of consumed a lot of the attention around the company. But now that as that has stabilized we're able to focus our attention and balance that between S and X and Model 3. And so the the delivery numbers in Q3 uh, understated the interest in the product for that quarter, uh, and we continue to see strength in the order rate, which uh, we anticipate will be reflected in S and X deliveries in Q4. Yeah, I mean, the Model S, the um, basic Model S at this point has a range of 317 miles. Actually, technically it's 373, but we actually... I certified it incorrectly <laughs> as 370, but it's 373. Um, and there are some software improvements that we think will make that even better. Um, oh, uh, I forgot to mention, we're also expecting that, that, that there's, there's going to be an over-the-air uh, improved uh, 
that that will improve the uh, power of the Model S, X, and 3. That's, uh, by, by the way, it's just it's coming in, in a few weeks. Um, it should be on the order of 5% um, uh, power improvement uh, due to um, improved firmware. Drew, do you want to say anything on that? Uh, yeah, we just continue to learn how to optimize the motor control in, in our products. And yeah, yeah so 5% improvement for all Model 3 uh, customers and 3% uh, for S and X. Yeah, and there's also the, the single pedal driving. Yep. Uh, that's that will improve the range as well. Mm -hmm. um, Very excited about that. It's gonna it's an improvement in comfort and feel. Uh, yeah, it's just makes, it's easier to drive and it improves the range. Yes. Um, and faster supercharging. Oh, and faster supercharging for uh, yeah. standard range and standard range plus customers, which is a, a big deal. Yeah, it's uh, this. I don't think there's ever been a situation in history where you buy a car and it gets way better over time just due to software. Like, not a little bit better, but a lot. Uh, this, uh, yeah. It's very exciting. Yeah. I, I think, yeah, as a customer myself, I, I, I enjoy these updates. I always look forward to them. <laughs> yeah, it might, might move the Model S range to almost 380 or three, high 370s um, with, with the update. And we're not stopping to work there. We'll continue working on their yeah. development. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I'm not going to lie. My heart sunk a little bit when I when Elon said that they're really only making them for sentimental reasons. Now, I don't know if there's some sort of strategy behind that, that, you know, Elon's, you know, setting expectations low for those two vehicles simply because they do cost so much and they're not building them in volume like they are the Model 3. But in either case, it felt like they're minimizing the Model S and Model X, or it felt like Elon was minimizing the Model S and X. And it kind of hurt my heart a little bit. Now, in reality, it sounds like demand for both vehicles is up. They called the Model X the Fabergé egg. And uh, it sounds like a lot of uh, singers and entertainers, actors, and that kind of thing, they want the Model X. So um, two confusing um, messages there from Tesla. Ultimately, though, uh, the cars keep getting better with over-the-air updates, and they said that there's an increase in power, 3% power for the S and X and a 5% for the Model 3. That's amazing. Again, these vehicles keep getting better and better. In our final clip of the night, there, um, someone asks Elon if they're worried about Model Y cannibalizing Model 3 or any of their other products, and they have a what I think is a very good answer for that because ultimately... I think a company cannibalizing their own products, I don't think they care. I mean, they're getting money one way or the other. Now, if Ford came in and started selling a, you know, a, a Model 3 competitor and they started taking uh, market share away from Tesla with the Model 3, then I think, you know, Tesla obviously cares. But in terms of internally, um, you know, their products competing internally, Tesla doesn't care. They get money one way or the other. So let's hear their answer here. Yeah, yeah. Just a quick one on uh, on the Model Y. So it'll, uh, I was wondering if you what you've learned with uh, SNX makes you think maybe when you launch uh, Model Y, you'll have some cannibalization of demand on the Model Three. And have you started to think about that and uh, and uh, how to approach it? No, I don't think we're not expecting to see uh, cannibalization of Model Three. One's a sedan, one's a SUV. Yeah, the best comparison we have for that is when we launched Model X, 
than we had Model S at the time. Yeah, and Model S sales increased. Yeah, and it, it was, it, we didn't see any cannibalization there. The, the opposite. Yeah. Uh, like, yes. When we launched Model X, Model S sales increased. Yep, so that's the best comparison that we have. Again, I just want to say it again. Why would they care? They're going to sell plenty of Model 3s. They're going to sell plenty of Model Ys. If for some reason they sell so many Model Ys and so few Model 3s, they can just take the lines that they have for the Model 3 and convert those to Model Y lines. I mean, the Model 3 and the Model Y already share a lot of the same parts. I don't think if that crazy scenario were to happen and the Model 3 goes away, I don't think that affects Tesla one little bit. That's just one less product they're building. Okay, everybody, that is it. That is our entire show. If you want to email me, you can at Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital. And you can hit me on hit me up on Twitter. You can also hit me. You can hit me up on Twitter at 918digital. And let's see here. Uh, that next week will be a regular show. I hope everybody has a wonderful week. And I will talk to you next Friday. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for your participation. You may now disconnect.